0: Welcome to Cruxcast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on CruxInvestor.com. So please subscribe.
1: Hi, I'm Jeff Atkins, Managing Director of Vital Metals. Vital is a rare earth development company with a project in Netchalacho, in Canada.
0: Brilliant. Short and sweet, and to the point. How are you, Jeff? I haven't seen you since March. Been busy. We have been
1: very busy. Nice to see you again.
0: Yes, and uh, I think people have been asking if Shirley will make an appearance. Let, let's hope so, but we won't bank on it. Um <laughs>
1: Uh, Oh, I think we're we're better than 50%.
0: Lovely, lovely. Many many fans, many fans. Um, Right. Well, well, let's talk about the the story of the the day is obviously you've entered into an agreement to acquire a heavy uh, rare earth project, which is great. I want to hear all about it. Let's let's deal with some of the things that you've also been busy doing since we spoke to you in March, because at that time, you said to me, we're within a month of getting into production. So have you done it?
1: Yes, we have. So since we last spoke, mining operations have commenced at Nechelacho. We are well and truly into those into those operations. In addition, we've installed a ore sorter, commissioned that, and that is also operating as we speak.
0: Right. And what, tell, tell us a little bit about that, because that, that sounds you made it sound really easy. What, what are all the kind of moving parts that are still yet to be kind of bundled in together and to, to optimise this thing?
1: In terms of work on site, that is just progressing. So nothing more needs to be done on site other than to continue our mining operations and ore sorting operations. In September, October, we will have the first product coming off site by barge, and that will start that will be transported down to Arch, Sorry, down to Saskatoon. Um, the extraction plant in Saskatoon, construction there is underway, with long lead items being ordered, and that's on track for first feed of material going into that plant by the end of the year.
0: Okay, fine. Okay, so the the business of doing business, you're just, you're just cracking on with. You've got the cash to to do that. Um, let, let's talk about the this um, well potential. Acquisition, you've got an agreement in place. You deal with uh, uh, light rare earths. This is a heavy rare earths acquisition. Um, let's let's find out why you've decided to do that. Before we do, just just again, to cater for all levels of uh, knowledge. Give us the definition: light earths, rare, heavy heavy rare earths. What, what are they used for?
1: Well, they're both used in the same products. However, so the predominant market for rare earths is in rare earth magnets. And that's electric vehicles, wind turbines, and the like. So, the main element in those magnets is the light, other light rare earths, the neodymium, praseodymium. However, there are some uses of that which require heavies, and they're typically those uses which um, where you get high temperatures. So, your electric vehicle motors and things like that. So, those motors they need a small percentage of heavy rare earths to enable that motor to work at elevated temperatures. So. What that means is for those users of the rare earths, if they're going to establish a supply chain outside of China, they need access to both lights and heavies. And at the moment, there really isn't a producer who is able to pro- to supply both of those products. So for anybody looking for rare earths, they need to go to multiple sources. So we've entered into an agreement with Quebec Precious Metals to acquire the Kapowa project, and that would provide us the the ability to be a one-stop shop for the supply of rare earths and to supply both light and heavies.
0: Right. Okay. So you basically you're mitigating the risk in terms of that whole supply chain and someone else's ability to control your ability to do what you need to do. Great. Let's talk about the acquisition. Yes, exactly. Right? Let's talk about this this yes, acquisition. So, so why 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 these assets? Why
1: now? Well there's two reasons really. The first one is the project has had a full feasibility study completed on it, so that means a lot of work has been done. So we've been able to go through that data and under, and evaluate the likelihood of us being able to develop that successfully with a lot with a lot of knowledge there. In addition, a lot there has been a lot of um, uh, improvements in process technologies since that uh, feasibility study was completed in 2013. So there are a lot of opportunities there for improvement. So that's two areas. The third one is actually the fact that it's also located in Canada. So that ties in very well with our natural archo project. And as it turns out, our Saskatoon plant is basic is located effectively halfway in between the two projects. So they all work in very nicely with each other. Right.
0: I mean it's it's not a big Acquisition eight million over five years, so it's not expensive. Does that suggest there's not really much value there, or that there's a lot more value that you're going to have to eke out of that?
1: No, what what it indicates is that, for one thing, I guess we believe there is significant value there, and the other thing is that it actually adds a lot of value to our other assets as well. The ability to be the sole the sole supplier of both lights and heavies. Will put Vital in a very important strategic position, particularly in North America, and that adds incredible value to us as a company.
0: Okay, so tell me me about um, why they're selling. I mean, what what were they not capable of doing, or are they just have they got other things that they they want to be looking at, or are they just not able to technically solve the 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 problem?
1: They're focused on gold on gold projects, so this is a non-core asset, and so for them, this provides the opportunity to fund their gold exploration projects. So it's a bit of a win-win situation, and likewise, the desire is to sell it to a company who has the ability to actually get it into operation.
0: Okay, so eight million over five years. How's that
1: staged? So we have the first payment is after we complete DD, so that's over the next four to six months, depending a couple of triggers there, and that there is for a value of two and a half million. Then twelve months after that, we have the next payment of two and a half, and then the following. Every on each anniversary, there's an additional million dollar payment.
0: Right, okay, okay. So how many for cash can you remind me?
1: That will all be um, paid for out of cash reserves. So since we last spoke, we actually we raised $43 million. So that's sufficient to fund our mining operations, construction, commissioning operations, and we'll also Fund the uh, the acquisition of
0: Capella. Right, and 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 the scale of of these things is is important. Okay, you've got you, we we heard last, time people should go back to the previous interview. It was quite fulsome and detailed. Business plan, strategy, team. You know how are you going to deliver it? And that, I think that was quite good. We'll put a link below for, for them to do that. But I'm just I'm just sort of intrigued about how, what you building. I get the whole, we can do light, we can do heavy thing, but has has the acquisition got the scale that you're going to need, or are there going to be more acquisitions
1: needed? In terms of the distribution between lights and heavies, you don't need anywhere near as many heavies as what you do lights. So the project doesn't need to be as big. And this is where it actually, as a second project for us, it makes a lot of sense because it gives us a lot of flexibility around the scale of the project, which we will develop. So for us, this is really the third Stage of our development strategy. So the first one's building the foundations of the business, which is North T. The second is developing the scale, which is where the Tardif project comes in at Netchalacho, which is really going to that next level. And this is the third stage, which is really about making sure that we're able to supply all the products which are needed.
0: Okay, so people have been sort of banding around Toyota Tushi, uh, the name around, and obviously there's a le- legacy there, and I think they've still got a 10% MPI in this thing. but. It, does that have any bearing in terms of your your strategy? Would you be like to re-engage with them with conversations? I mean, people talk about the different, you know, North American, uh, European, and Asian ecosystems for battery metals, but are you just steering your own path?
1: Look, steering our own path a little bit, and I mean, we have a very definite idea around what our strategy is and what our growth profile is, Do and share. how we want to <laughs> approach approach that. Um, And it really is about being able to guarantee the supply of rare earths.
0: To who? To who? To
1: to the market outside of China. That's really where we see our our vision. Now, whether that be North America, whether that is Europe, I mean, we have our offtake agreement with Retech up in Norway, or going into Japan. At the moment, Japan is very well sorted and is serviced by Linus, with North America. They really need some surety around their supply, and likewise with Europe. So we really see our role being able to feed, you know, ensure that the, that guarantee of supply into those markets.
0: Right. I mean, that's what I'm intrigued by because you're ex-Linus, right? And you know, you, you know, Asia. Right. That's so what you know. Yeah. Where your contacts are. So how do you use that in North America? Because they they seem slightly further behind the curve there. Um, are you having conversations with groups that are, you know, which are meaningful, not just the "who are you, what are you doing" type conversations? Look,
1: absolutely. The key challenge is around what that supply chain looks like, and that's really where the the challenge for the North American market looks in uh, lives because there isn't an established supply chain there. It's a little bit different to Europe, where there are established metal manufacturers separation facilities, magnet manufacturers as well. So the European market is certainly more advanced. So in the US, it really is about, well, okay, what's the process which needs to be followed to enable that supply chain to be established? And the first thing which they require is a guarantee of feedstock. If you don't have the supply, you can't take those next steps. So we're having a number of conversations with a variety of groups in the U.S. around what that actually means.
0: So who's educating who in that conversation?
1: Look, it's a little bit of a case of um, the conversations you have come from both directions. There is that, There's on the one hand, there's the end user saying, this is what we need. On the other hand, there's also an explanation of, well, this is the process that you need to follow to actually get there.
0: Right. So, okay. Okay. The- when I when I read this and I read some of the conversations going on in various chat rooms and forums and so forth, it, it, people are excited because MA always sounds exciting, right? It's not a particularly big deal. Uh, it's it's probably meaningful in terms of shows of intent, but what how do you, how do you value this deal? Because it's not a significant catalyst moment, but it's it gets you to where you need to be for now. What, what should we be looking for? What, what are the things that, at the board level, you're saying? To, you know what? Here's how. Here's the moving parts that we need to fit together. Say for the next twelve months, which will get us a you know significant change, a significant re-rate, something more meaningful.
1: The number one challenge for all rare earth companies at the moment is to ensure that they are in the position to take advantage of the growth in the forecast growth in the rare earth demand. And that is really where the acquisition at this stage makes perfect sense. It's the reason why we've started at North T with a smaller project, make this acquisition as well. And what that means is that over the next 12 months, we'll be an established rare earth producer with a a demonstrated ability to produce product at specification. And from there, once we're actually are a producer, it gives us a lot more flexibility to then be able to grow and to react to the market as it grows. And that's really where this acquisition comes in because it will position us in a unique position or a unique place in the market of being able to supply both lights and heavies.
0: I'm saying, established producer is one thing in in, in all sectors. It's, if you're producing, you've done more than 95% of the companies will do. So that, that's really good. But, There's lots of conversations out there. People go, oh, you know, we want to be a mountain pass. We want to be a Linus. We want to be, you know, we want to be billion dollar companies. Saying it and doing it, and this applies to gold, silver, and every other commodity, right? Um, For you, though, you will be an established producer for sure. So that's good news. How do you show, or when do you show, the scale and therefore the intent of your ambition?
1: That comes in the next stage with the works that we're currently undertaking on TARDA. So whilst we're getting into operation on North T, we're also in going through the process of defining what TARDIF is going to be. So we've recently also put out some test work results on TARDIF. We've also announced drilling results, which is indicating that the zone further to the south, which is this large zone, is actually a much higher grade than what was initially thought and more extensive. It also demonstrates the ability to follow the same processing at Use the same processes as what we're using at North T. So that really is all about starting to define that scaled-up project, and that will come through over the next twelve months.
0: Right. I mean, have you noticed the kind of conversations that you're having? People are less concerned about your ability to solve it technically, and they're now trying to see how you put this thing financially and in terms of obviously yeah. this acquisition is fantastic too. Is is are those the main sorts of comments? You? like where does this how does this thing grow
1: yeah look the, the main comments we've had have really been about the fact of you know, when we started talking about our plans 12 months ago the fact that we've actually delivered on what those plans were so now it's about saying okay you've shown that you can do it so tell us what the real plan is let's explain what the growth story is and that's really what we're going through at the moment now is explaining that growth story that is about how do we increase the scale at Netchalacho, and then how do we bring in those other products like the like the heavies?
0: Okay, okay. So is there going to be more MA?
1: Oh, you'd never say no. Um, we don't have anything going at the moment, but um, look, we'll always look for opportunities um, if they fit within the what we want to achieve as a company. We'd always look at look at things.
0: Right. Okay. Are you surprised by the lack of reaction in the market over the last six months since we spoke?
1: Um, a little bit. Uh, I'll admit, but at the same time you have had a situation where rare earth prices have come off a little bit they're now starting to pick up again and I think it is one of those ones where develop projects going into develop sorry, into development typically go through that quiet period and rare earths are something that little bit different. they're not like a gold play, so it is a little bit harder for for uh, investors to really understand exactly. What that business looks like, um, you know. Not sure. Are you a mining company? Are you a chemical company? What are you? So, going through that phase will always, I think, uh, people will always sit back a little bit.
0: Okay. Are you at all nervous about China's reaction to the increased number of rare earth stories out there? They still have the ability to dramatically change pricing in the market. Can you sit outside that comfortably? Do you have a strategy for doing that?
1: I believe so. I think what's most interesting is that one of China's main strategies is to take significant positions in a number of Western rare earth projects. And you see a lot of offtake agreements with Western projects going back to China. And I think that's a very uh, important thing because China is moving towards being a net importer of rare earths. And for those projects which are public companies, on you know, whether it be the ASX, LME or, um, or TSX, the prices have to be high enough for them to justify to get into operations. Now, if they're not, they don't get up, China doesn't get their supply of, of rare earths. So that to me is, and I believe that starts to dictate what the floor price is because It's not like a project which is being developed inside of China, which can be operated at a loss. If you're a public company on the Australian Stock Exchange, you have to justify why you're getting into operation. That means prices have to be significant, and you have to demonstrate that you can make a profit on that. And I'm comfortable there because I firmly believe that we have the the ability to be an extremely low-cost producer. So that puts us into a very strong position.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so. Coming full circle again, when you say that you believe there's value to be unlocked at Kepawa, how long is that going to take? What should we be looking for? Can you sort of, you know, give us guidance as to what you're going to be doing and what that looks like at the point that you're happy that you have extracted that full value?
1: So, from our perspective, it's about reviewing the work which has been undertaken to date and understanding what developments there have been in processing since the feasibility study was completed and also understanding what synergies we have between our existing operations and the Kapoora operation and what that means to, to improve the um, the economics of that project so once we're satisfied of that we will and that we will get a, a good return on that project at that point in time we will move forward with it
0: those sound like things that you should you you should have been doing during the diligence process of before you put a bid in. What, what what do you mean by that? Can you break it down for me?
1: The nature of the um the agreement is that we've um, paid a deposit and we now have a period of due diligence. Got it. So that period of due diligence is a four to six month process before we close close the agreement.
0: So that's a, a refundable so we or all- non-refundable deposit. It's a non-refundable deposit. How much? $150,000. Okay, nothing, right. So you've got 6-months say to work out whether you go ahead with this thing or not. And if you do, I'm looking. this is the bit I'm looking for, is what what is it that you think today, walking this thing, that you're going to be able to do in terms of unlocking it, you know, precisely? Where, where's, the, where's the money bit coming?
1: To me, it, it's really about the development strategy. It's exactly the same thing as what we've done with Net Chalacho. I mean, we bought Net Chalacho for a very similar price. As what we're paying for Kapua, and by applying a different development strategy and a different processing, and and understanding what the developments were in processing between when previous work was done and today, we've been able to unlock the value in Natural Arch and as we as we're moving forward, and it's that same approach which we're looking at now applying into Kapua.
0: Right, but again, again, so I'm just going to work out how, how do you quantify? Because you've you've come up with the number of eight million, right? So, unless you've got the option to renegotiate that and you just arbitrarily put a number on it, you must have a sense of the potential upside for you and therefore your shareholders. I'm just sort of intrigued where that comes from. That's all.
1: Look, we, we've certainly undertook a lot of work internally around where we felt the um, the opportunities lay. And we have a number of ideas and thoughts around what Kapoa will look like. What we need to do now is we will. Undertake the, the due diligence work to confirm those assumptions and those numbers. And then that will be um, communicated to the market.
0: Okay. Okay. Is the number optional in terms
1: of the 8 million? The, the, the 8 is the number.
0: Right. Even if it's not quite what you thought. Okay. Okay. Yep. Right. Um, okay. Well, look, um, so timing four to six months. We'll hear a little bit more about that. Then what else are we going to hear about the rest of this year? The rest of this year
1: is continuing operations at North T we will hear about concentrate going down to Saskatoon. We'll also get the developments on or progress on the development of our extraction plant in Saskatoon. So that's commencement of operations. The next thing will be the definition of the Tardif zone and that larger scale operation. They're the key, that's the key news coming over the next six months.
0: Right, you've got the money to do it, um, head down. Have you got any new additions to the team that we need to know about?
1: No, the team's, the team's still, Still the same. So um, yeah, they've they've done an amazing job over the last twelve months to be able to get the mining operation up and running during during a pandemic.
0: Okay, okay. Well, look, I appreciate you giving us the update, and you know, congrats on the potential acquisition here. Um, come back on and on us. Let us know when you get that over the line. Okay.
1: Absolutely, love to.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCars